Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. Welcome to another show, everybody. I am Chris Hoy, president of Career Crossroads, aka CXR. It's a mouthful. And today uh, on our podcast show, we've got Anoop Gupta, dear friend. He is the co-founder and CEO of Seekout. Anoop, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. So nice to be here today. It's great to have you back. You're in uh, Seattle? Yes. Yes. We are Seattle-based, close to Microsoft. <laughs> Nice. And are, are all of you there? Or are you kind of spread out? Is your team kind of spread out everywhere? Uh, we are around one third are remote and two thirds are in the Seattle area. But the number of people coming to office is still very small. <laughs> all right. And you, ju- you just love it out there, right? It's just a good spot. I know you got some Microsoft roots, your mention of Microsoft. Yeah, I spent 18 years at Microsoft before starting Seekout. And uh, yeah, we have a roots and it's a lovely place. You know, I moved from uh, Stanford, uh, Siberia, to Seattle 22 years ago. And it was always the case, you know, are we going to go back? Uh, I was a tenured faculty at Stanford. But after one year, my wife said, we are staying here. And we love the mountains, the lakes, the water. You know, so it's a great place to be. Yeah, it's a beautiful part of the country. So uh, we ask, from time to time, we ask some folks to come on the show to just talk about a topic. And we spend about 10 minutes on one that that the the guest and I just sort of pick, sometimes out of the air, sometimes because everybody's talking about it, sometimes because it's just a, a, a pet project or a passion project of the guest. And you and I arrived at the point of um, talking point of, of DE&I, and what the organizations perhaps could be doing a little better, did we not? Yes, yes. We talked about intent versus impact, yeah. as said Chris. <laughs> Great phrase. I love that phrase. I stole it from Rocky Howard. I'm pretty sure I got a good complete, complete credit for it. But uh, it's a wonderful phrase. And it is the difference of, you know, making a lot of noise versus making some kind of difference. Right. And, and so I'll, I'll just lob it to you. We could just jump right in and talk for a couple of minutes around. Do you, do you see an area of opportunity uh, for employers, whether they be on the vendor side or the corporate side or whatever, for employers to, to make more of a difference? Not just, not just some standing on a soapbox and yelling about how things should be different, but do you see a lot of opportunity or some chance for employers to take note and, and actually move the needle a little bit? Chris, so my this thing is... Uh... You know, last year has brought to the forefront uh, the racial and ethnic inequities that we have, and lots of CEOs and C-suiteers talking about change. So I think talking about it is also important and is a first step to say we want to make a difference, right? So the CEOs can come, here is a target that you want to set for this coming year. But then it falls to the often to the HRTA organizations to say, how do we translate all of those good intentions into real action and measurable results? That is where we think, you know, we can, others can, technology can, attitudes can really help. And using data as an ally to making real difference. 
uh, that is there and would love to dig in. <laughs> we are ready there. I think data is an incredible weapon when used correctly, right? When, yes. when, when we lean in and actually use it correctly and not just use it as a, as a talking point. Yeah. Is there a particular set of data, uh, a particular piece of that or an example that you've seen where, where it, it actually has made a difference, right? Or, or, or about a particular point on DEI that you're passionate about? Yeah, no, sure. There are lots of ways. So, you know, within CGAD, for example, for any talent pool, and you can say data scientists with 10 years of experience, this or that, or company-wide or, you know, technology division-wide, we infer diversity. We can tell you the percentage that are women or Black or Latinx or veterans and so on and so forth. Now, this data can be used in a wide variety of ways. The first thing I often talk about is how do you set targets, right? Setting targets, what's important is they be realistic, achievable. Otherwise, everybody feels like a loser, right? So uh, if you're saying for the engineering organization or for data scientists, we will tell you with sufficient accuracy and precision that around 22 2.3% are black, as an example. Right. So it means if you're setting target, whether you set now, you know, for our organization, you want 5% or 1% or this thing, you can have a conversation. You can have a conversations with the hiring managers and leverage that data. So set targets that will be achievable that you can go on that. The second place where data comes in really important is leading to very inclusive job descriptions. There was an article in the New York Times about hidden talent. What that related to, I think it was just yesterday or day before, and they talked about we go and write job descriptions and we keep adding more requirements to it. And then we say, oh, there are no diverse candidates you know, that are there and we can't find any. So part of it in writing inclusive job descriptions is not just about, you know, my language is not saying, you know, we're going to beat him up and crush him and win. It is about saying what are the must-have requirements and what are nice-to-have requirements and what are not requirements at all to be successful in the job, right? And so if you have a tool which will let you take any job description and have a data-driven conversation with a hiring manager and say, can we get rid of this? Can we get rid of this? Do you really need a senior data scientist? Can we have a data scientist with 10 years of experience? Do you really need that? Those conversations, you know, become much more meaningful when you have data video. Well, you're bringing up two really pivotal and, and hot items within both of those examples, right? You're bringing up one that's talking about setting objectives, right? So let's talk about setting objectives for bringing new talent. And then you're bringing up another one that's talking about what's really required in the job. Also a big challenge for a lot yeah. of TA professionals to get through. So let's, stick, let's go with the first one first. Yeah. So when you set an objective to how many people you need to hire that are people of color or let's say female, um, the challenge we're seeing from a lot of our members is that at some level, the recruiters still have an incredible lack of visibility into what the slate looks like. Now, there are some products or some services solutions out there that they give sort of a generic piece of that. 
But we're still seeing, and it, it is a scrambled mess across the board of where the data is getting collected and, and where it's being displayed or shown to the readers, if any. Are you seeing a change in that? Are you seeing a shift that organizations are saying, all right, recruiter, we're going to let you see the diversity of your own slate that you've created. Or are you still seeing the same crap we were dealing with five, 10 years ago where it's like, you are held to hiring this many diverse people, but you are not allowed to see, you're going to have to figure out another way to guess how, how they're female or how they're a person of color. Yeah, no. So I think, um, you know, again, what I'm not advocating is, you know, setting quotas or anything else. I'm just saying, you know, understanding the reality of what talent pools look, looks like is important. Okay. Second, having conversations, data-driven conversations with hiring managers is, you know, really important. I often cite a quote from the CEO of Netscape, you know, the first internet browser. And he says, hey, if it, you know, you have data for this meeting, let's have a discussion. If it is about opinions, let's go with mine. And so, you know, data is important. Then the thing is that, uh, you know, tools like Seekout and a few others, we do let you actually source, you know, with a click, you can find highly qualified women, highly qualified black, they exist. It is just that if you have to scroll through 20 pages or hundred pages to find the right person, we are not very good at doing that. Okay, uh, maybe you're just used to Google, right? We look at the first page, second page, and then we say it doesn't exist. Okay, <laughs> so the whole thing is how can you surface in a more easy way so you can look, and then it does allow you to build diverse slates every time. And we know it's not about just putting one token diverse underrepresented minority candidates, it is important to have two or three serious consideration. And the next step we talk about is, you know, reducing unconscious bias. In fact, what you send to the hiring manager doesn't have images, doesn't have names, doesn't have any information. You know, you can even remove the schools you attended to have, you know, remove bias for uh, the top 50 universities and IVs, and then have a real discussion. I am a huge advocate of, um, and I'm, I'm maybe a little more hardline than you are on that, on that element, but I'm a huge advocate for, you got to set objectives, but they've got to be set, I think, in my humble opinion, they have got to be set on both the recruiter side, bringing that talent in and getting yeah. a diverse slate set up, but also there have to be some objectives set internally uh, not just, and I'm not just talking about from a mobility standpoint, but also from who does the interviews, right? Yeah. There, has to, has, there has to be some conversation around diversity of interviewers uh, yes. or the interview panel. And then, and this is my favorite one that, no, that makes everybody uncomfortable, the C-suite money. There has to be some level of accountability that says, if you do not hit these hiring objectives where we are reflective of the community, where we have this level of diversity that we are filling this gap, you, your bonus gets impacted. By some sort of money impact at that level, because I think that's when it gets real and gets us out of sort of this cycle of interest that we've kind of seen over. The, if you've been doing this for a while, right? Some of us have been doing this 25, 35 years. You see this. We get really excited about DEI. We hire these chief diversity officers. We put them in these roles. A lot of times things don't change. 
excitement, you know, winds down. We find something else to focus on for a while. And then something else happens and we're back and we're hiring chief diversity people again. And so I think that's part of the big miss. I don't know. You have an opinion on, on that piece of it? I think uh, different organizations, culture is slightly different on how you do it, but accountability is really important. And I'm with you that, you know, just hiring a chief diversity officer, uh, you know, or diversity and inclusion officer doesn't necessarily lead to the change. You have to empower them. You have to give them the resources. They have to be able to influence the tools and what the slate. So that empowerment and accountability, as you're talking about, Chris, really leads to the longer term change on the top of the funnel and hiring. And then, of course, the whole focus on inclusion and belonging, right? I mean, how do you make sure that once they come in, it is not a revolving door, they feel fully engaged and actually bring their perspective and help make change happen? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Very well said. I think also there's an element to your second piece of requirements. We get into a really interesting hot topic lately on job descriptions, which is one of the lowest pieces of fruit on the recruiting tree that we never, ever really pick for as an industry, right? It's been a yes. forever, forever for us. Um, yeah. And, and the, the biases that are baked into a lot of the JDs, like must have this much experience, must have this much college. You're talking about a, looking for you know, a C-suite player who still has to have a bachelor's in something. <laughs> makes any sense with the amount of experience that that level have, et cetera. So are you seeing anything? Because we've seen a lot of people now getting really serious about redoing these JDs and, and they, they're sort of dialing back this laundry list of requirements, right? Versus desirements. And they're actually saying, well, here's a little bit more about what you're going to be doing. And they're trying to hire this learning agility, this element of hiring for potential versus just experience. Are you seeing the same thing, and do you think that has a positive or a neutral impact at all on hiring in the DEI space? I am seeing that in many companies now. This list of you know the set of college degrees, years of experience is going down, and the focus is on you know what they will be doing and how they can demonstrate that they can be successful, you know, doing that function. And partly I notice it because, you know, I suddenly engage with lots of customers. So, you know, before I uh, meet with a customer, I go to the job board, <laughs> their career site. I end up looking at a lot of jobs and there is a small set of companies which are absolutely moving in that direction. I think the difficulty becomes, you know, to talk. So I think that's totally the right thing is how do you judge? Right. So then, you know, then you get into the recruiter's shoes yeah. and they say, you know, we know how to adjust some filters and find the candidates if there are some set of requirements that are there. But if you have a general requirement which says, hey, uh, you know, they are going to be a leader and cause this kind of cross group collaboration and change. And you say, from the LinkedIn resume, how am I going to find out? I don't know what they've actually done. So, you know, that's where we also bring some information together so you can actually see what they've done, whether they have a college degree or not. In yeah. fact, we have some employees 
who don't, and they're amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just had another guest on recently. They were talking about how they had made some hires. A radical shift in hiring because one of them just stood out as, as nothing short of plucky and just this tenacious applicant that came in didn't have some of the requ- the requirements that they had originally been asking for, but this candidate was relentless. Uh, and, and they're a smaller organization, so it's a lot easier, yeah. obviously, to break through the barrier as a candidate, uh, the small work. But now they've got this incredibly diverse and, and diversity of thought, diversity of background yeah. uh, slate that they've just brought forward. And, and I think a couple of weeks in now, they couldn't be happier so far. Yeah, yeah totally. So uh, I think we are seeing the change. Some of it is um, slow, but I think lots possible today. And we should take the initiative and those steps to use technology data as an ally and not as a substitute to make concrete progress. And we've seen companies do that. Nice. Nice. Uh, Anup, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Really appreciate it. Always fantastic to talk to you. Can't wait to see you live in person again someday when we find our new new travel normal schedule back. No, thank you so much, Chris. It was wonderful to chat and look forward to meeting in person too. Good stuff. Uh, I want to do two things really quickly. I just want to call out one. When we have a guest on the show, nobody uh, pays to be on the show. There is no uh, quid pro quo. It is just simply because we like that. It's honestly, it's because we like that person. Uh, and we want to talk to them and hear about what they're up to and what they're working on. Secondly, I just want to drop a quick promotion. The nonprofit, the CXR Foundation nonprofit 501c3 has put together and quietly launched last week a mentoring platform. It is free for anybody who either wants to be a mentor or a coach or find a mentor or a coach or both. All you have to do is go to cxr.foundation, believe it or not, that's a domain, cxr.foundation slash mentor. Super easy, free, check it out. I highly encourage everybody to just pass it along. It takes one person, one time to have one conversation. I realize I'm at three fingers now to make a difference. So we really hope everybody can check that out and we'll see you next week on the show. Thanks everybody for joining us. Hey, thank you so much. Please take care. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time.